welcome to the Moana Villages podcast. And we are joined today by two wonderful women. And we are kicking off a brand new series that we are really excited about. So this series is going to focus on the causes of the orphan crisis. What different issues and circumstances and challenges go into a child becoming an orphaned child or a family breaking down? Um, And we are joined with several different people that are going to share their experience, share their insight into different topics. And this is the very first of the topic. And today we are talking about healthcare and how healthcare and medical challenges are connected to the orphan crisis. And we are joined by Amanda Patrick, who is going to be our host throughout all of these five episodes. Amanda has been a wonderful advocate and supporter of Moana Villages for several years now. And Courtney Baxley, who is a pediatrician here in Birmingham, Alabama, where I am and is um, has been part of our board of directors for Moana Villages U.S., since its beginning back in 2015. So we are so very glad to have both of you women join us. And Amanda, why don't you share with us a little bit more about what this whole series is going to be talking about? Yes, thanks for having me. Welcome, everyone. Um, One of the ways that you can describe the orphan cycle or the orphan crisis is with a, a wheel analogy. If you imagine orphan at the center and all the different spokes coming off represent a challenge um, that leads to it. So for example, you may have education as one spoke or employment, um, you have gender inequality, you have healthcare, and even trauma. These are all things that lead to a child being orphaned. And every time you address and then meet one of these needs, one of these spokes, uh, you increase the chances of that ch- child being able to stay with their family and decrease the chances of that continuing cycle of orphanhood. Um, Each one is complicated and has many different solutions. And as you'll see, as we dig into each episode, uh, focusing independently on each topic, uh, there's no one size fits all. It's very complicated. And today we're going to start the series off with Courtney and discussing healthcare Thank you, Amanda. And the reason, too, that we're discussing these, you know, in a series is because oftentimes we find that they're all interrelated, that Mm -hmm. a vulnerable mother may have experienced trauma early in her life. And so then she's repeating the cycle later on. And maybe because of her early trauma, she is not uh, it has stable employment because she would did not finish um, her education. And so because of that, you know, unemployment, she might find herself in a very vulnerable situation, desperate and unsure of how to provide for her child, um, or maybe facing healthcare challenges because of, of poverty. So we see this interconnection between them, which, as you said, makes it very complicated and no one size fits all. And that's part of the beauty of having so many different people as part of this ministry, both within Congo, outside of Congo, who can bring expertise to the table and insight as we seek to address these different challenges. So let's dig in. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Amanda? Well, I was just going to say, you know, when you address one single situation, you know, of course it's helpful and it it does decrease that chance of that, that cycle continuing, but it really, like you said, it's all interconnected and it 
is so complicated. And in order to stop the cycle completely, really, ultimately, you, you have to meet all of those needs, every single one of them. There's no um, separating them. And it, I'm excited to discuss the different ways that Moana is coming alongside of these families and addressing those needs. All right, well, let's start digging into healthcare. We might not often think of medical issues and healthcare as being closely related to orphan care, but Courtney, welcome. Share with us a little about yourself and how these two things are connected. Yes, so like you said, I'm a pediatrician here in Birmingham and do outpatient pediatrics. Um, and so I feel like healthcare and the orphan crisis are so directly related. Um, in one way, it is as parents get sick, they're unable to care for their kids, right? So if a mom is sick and has a illness that she's unable to tend to, she can't care for her children. Um, those communicable diseases then can pass on to the kids, but we also see the parents just not be physically able to care for their kids, even if their kids remain healthy. And do you see this oftentimes, Courtney, can you talk about like um, communicable illnesses you mentioned, but what about preventable illnesses? What is that? What do we mean by that? And how does that feed into some children becoming orphaned? Yes. So in developing countries, there are so many illnesses that are easily preventable in developed countries, even things like clean water or food that is prepared appropriately can lead to illnesses that can cause serious illness or death in the developing world. Um, and understanding things like hand washing and things that kind of come naturally to people in developed countries just don't come as naturally to those individuals. And so it prevents, I mean, it leads to illness spreading. You know, we worked with a, a mama, Marguerite, and she's still part of our Moana family. She had 10 children, um, actually several sets of twins among those 10. But when, by the time that we had met her, she had already lost four children to preventable illnesses. It was things like fecal born illnesses because there wasn't proper um, sewer treatment um, or hand washing or mosquito nuts, these things that that can with some supplies provision, can with some education be prevented. But here was this mama who had already lost four children from things that 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 could have been prevented. And we just that is so often so foreign to us that just living one's life can, it, you know, without the, that proper infrastructure can really be so dangerous. So Courtney has come to Congo twice. And on the most recent trip in Congo, she brought along some colleagues who worked in one of the local hospitals that Moana partners with and served in their NICU, the neonatal ward and the pediatric unit. Um, uh, at this hospital, and it was a really incredible experience. Courtney, can you share with us a little bit about what the goal was of the trip? And I'd love for you to share how we had some some additional unexpected visitors too once we got started. Yeah, so we had planned and kind of worked before the trip um, to help one specific hospital in, in the town where we were. And when we showed up um, to help that one hospital, they had invited all of the local hospitals to come. And so we ended up teaching from that one location um, four different hospitals in the region. 
our goal for the trip was not just to go and care for the patients while we were there during our week um, or so while we were there, but it was really to educate the team with kind of best practices in America and what we are doing here um, to help prevent illness and care for sick children. And so our goal was to meet with the NICU staff and the general pediatric staff and that included physicians and nurses and medical assistants, and to tell them kind of, you know, answer any questions they had and help prepare them um, to better care for their patients. And it was a wonderful experience. We certainly had some eye-opening um, eye-opening moments. As we arrived, we walked into a um, ceremony, a giant ceremony, where there were, the room was filled with people, there were TV cameras videoing us um, just to celebrate that we were there. They were so welcoming and ready to learn and excited, um, excited to have us. Yeah, which I think is so cool to show that collaboration among the healthcare providers there in the city where we were. And the other piece that was really neat to see too, is that, you know, the, the, the development of the training materials was also collaborative. It wasn't, you know, Western doctors coming in saying, this is what, what, you know, we think you should know, but the Congolese doctors were saying, we need some training on this. These are the challenges that we are seeing. These are the resources that we have. Can you tailor the training to, their specific um, challenges, which I think was a really neat way to, to partner um, with. Yeah. Courtney, did you want to share some of the main challenges that you saw? Yeah, so, so I feel like there were a few different challenges. There were challenges both in kind of evaluating patients and in treating the patients. So if you think about going to your doctor's office here, in an evaluation, you may get a strep test or a x-ray or an image, an ultrasound, a CT scan, a blood test, and there are such limited resources to those evaluation materials. So I found it wasn't necessarily a lack of knowledge on the doctor's part or the healthcare provider's part. Um, in a lot of instances, it was really lack of resources. And then if they are able to make a diagnosis, there's also limited access to treatment. So there might not be sanitary surgical um, places where they can have surgical interventions. There might not be um, access to the medications that are necessary. So they're kind of a challenge on both fronts, both the um, evaluation and the treatment side. Well, and share a little bit more about, because I think that lack of equipment was especially pronounced in the neonatal unit with these newborns, these premature babies. Can you share a little bit more about Typically, what is needed when you have, you know, a, a premature baby and then what we saw in the NICU um, in Congo? Yeah, so typically when a baby is born prematurely, um, they will need oxygen. They'll need an isolate or kind of a um, place where they can stay and keep their body temperature up and um, IV medications and things of that nature. And in the NICU there, there was no oxygen at all um, available until we came. We were able to provide um, an oxygen machine to give oxygen to one isolate. Um, but you can imagine the NICU had, I don't know how many babies were there, Wellen. Do you remember? As many as 100 babies at a time. Yeah, 100 babies. And they were putting four or five babies in one isolate. So in America, we would have one baby and that isolate would be perfectly adjusted to that baby's needs. The temperature, the oxygen concentration, those type things. And in Congo, it was 
babies laid kind of um, so that they could fit four or five in one isolate. And then when the isolates were full, they were in an open crib and just trying to bundle them to keep them warm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty sobering. Um, just to see this it felt overwhelming at times, the challenges that they faced and not only the healthcare providers have challenges, but families who need healthcare for their child also face challenges. Why don't one of you guys share a little bit more about what, what is the, the setup for receiving healthcare, um, at least in the hospitals within the city where we are. And I, I believe it's across the country as well. Yeah, so the setup is when a patient needs or a family needs health care. So if a baby's born prematurely, a child is ill, a parent is ill, they can go to the clinic and wait a long time to be seen, and then they have to pay for their services up front. So pay for their treatment plan before anything is treated, which is cost prohibitive for a lot of families and is such a challenge and puts many families um, at risk because they're unable to make those payments or um, they kind of spend all of their savings in order to make that that treatment plan. We have seen that so often that families will come in emergent situations and are going to, to other extended family members trying to gather enough money just for the child to be treated. And that's one of the ways that one has been able to effectively serve vulnerable families because we will have partnerships um, with one hospital in particular to provide free or severely reduced um, health care so that a family that we can bring and say this, you know, this child is in need of, of, of care, um, that that cost is, you know, is not that that extra burden on the family that then, you know, could have a much different outcome simply because you can't scrape together the money right then to, to provide uh, for treatment. I mean, I would imagine that this comes into play very significantly with a family that maybe has a child born with a medical need that requires consistent long-term care as well. If care has to be paid for up front before any care is done, and then you have a child who maybe spent time in the hospital as a newborn, um, well, and can you explain what that might look like for a family that has a child with a lifelong need and how few resources there may be, or even training options there may be for a parent to, to meet those long-term medical needs? Right. Well, it reminds me you know, often of um, what we see with children with special or unique needs, medical special needs, developmental special needs. And there, there, there really is not a lot of um, support and education and care for children that might have unique needs. And so we even hear, you know, we have a refuge in Nkai, which is um, a more rural part of the country. The city where our main refuges are is a city of a million. It's pretty urban, um, but we often hear from our contacts in Nkai that that. Killing babies is part of uh, the practice if a child is born with an obvious special need um, or some sort of medical condition that 
there is no consideration for for providing for that child's needs. Um, we see that within the healthcare system, but with all, also culturally, that when you do have ongoing needs for children, there's really a lack of support and care for that. And we have had several children come into our care because they have those needs. It might be hydrocephalus, it might be Down syndrome, it might be sickle cell disease, it might be HIV. There, there's such limited resources, either on the family's part um, that they are not able to afford it, or on the other side, in, in just kind of your general communal support for children that have those needs. And oftentimes those children are the most vulnerable and are left, they are abandoned, they are um, brought to um, an orphanage because there's just not the support there. All right, I just wanted to tell everyone, thank you so much for your support um, for Moana. It is such a wonderful organization and so unique in its ability to care for children, the vulnerable children in Congo, and reunify families together like Welland was just talking about. So thank you for your support. Absolutely. Well, this wraps up our first episode talking about the causes of the orphan crisis. We are looking forward to having more guests join us on. We have four more episodes coming up, so be sure to listen for those. Um, Courtney and Amanda, thank you guys for joining. Courtney, we thank you for your expertise and always being so eager to serve in whatever capacity you can. Um, so guys, we look forward to you tuning in for the future episodes and we thank you for your support and advocacy for Moana and our whole Moana family. See you guys soon.